We're in week four of our re-series, and our topic today is rebuild. But I want to ask you, has anyone heard the story of Chippy the parakeet before? Who's heard of the story of Chippy the parakeet? No one. Am I telling the story for the first time? Oh, excellent. Sit back and enjoy. I love the story about Chippy the parakeet. So Chippy was a happy little bird. He was content every day to sit on his perch, swinging and singing to his heart's content. One day, Chippy's owner took the initiative to clean out Chippy's cage. She took the attachment from the end of the vacuum hose off and stuck it in the cage to remove all the sediment from the bottom of the cage. Just then, the phone rang. She turned to pick it up, had barely said hello, when Chippy got sucked in. As you can imagine, the bird owner gasped, dropped the phone, turned off the vacuum and ripped open the bag. Inside, there lay Chippy, still alive, but stunned by the trauma. The bird was covered with all the terrible grit and grime that fills the vacuum bag. So his owner did the only thing she could think to do. She grabbed him up, raced to the bathroom, turned on the tap, and held Chippy under the running water. Then, realizing poor little Chippy was soaked and shivering, she did what any good bird owner would do. She reached for the hairdryer and blasted the little guy with hot air. Poor Chippy never knew what hit him. A couple of days later, after the experience, a reporter who first wrote about the event talked to Chippy's owner. He asked how the bird was doing. And she said this. Well, Chippy doesn't sing much anymore. He just sits and stares. It's no wonder. One minute the little guy was swinging and singing, and before he knew it, he was sucked in, washed up, and blown over. And if that doesn't turn your song into a blank stare, nothing will. My guess is that most of us can relate to Chippy. There are times when life treats us more harshly than we expect. It might be something as small as a cutting remark from someone we consider a friend, or it could be something as major as a death of a spouse. It might be hearing the word malignant from the lips of a doctor, or it could be the collapse of a business that you've invested your life in. It's possible to get battered, bruised, and blown away by rough times and difficult circumstances. And when those things happen, often the best we can muster is a blank stare. And our song sometimes feels like a distant memory. Last week, Alan looked at a scripture that involved a boat and some time on a lake. It involved stepping out. And only the one focused on the solid rock of a relationship with Christ 
was able to withstand the pressure of walking on water. Guess what? We have another boat in Lake Scripture to look at this week. This morning, we're going to look at a passage about a storm, and we're going to learn even more about handling the storms of life. So let's take a look at Matthew 8, verse 23 to 27. Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. When I read through a passage like that, I can't help but ask a question. Why does God allow storms in our lives? Think about it for a minute. He, if he is all-powerful, couldn't God make our life smooth sailing if he wanted to? Wouldn't it be nice if he cut out all the storms and simply made the seas that we sail as smooth as glass? It seems like life would be much better if we didn't have to go through rough times. But I'm guessing God has his reasons. So being the academic that I am, I learned a lot about storms this week. Did you know that hurricanes are important to maintain the balance of Earth's ecosystems? You've no doubt seen on TV or in the media the devastation that hurricanes cause, especially along coasts and coastal developments. But did you realize that these storms serve a very important purpose? They dissipate a large percentage of the tremendous heat that builds up at the equator across the globe. Not only that, but they are indirectly responsible for much of the rainfall in North and South America. For a while, meteorologists experimented with cloud seeding techniques to prevent hurricanes from forming. But they quit because they came to recognize that in the bigger picture, Hurricanes actually do more good than harm. Lightning storms. We all know how devastating a lightning storm can be. Obviously, lightning can kill a person instantly. They can knock down trees, destroy buildings, start huge fires when the ground is dry. And just the noise can give you a fright of your life. But do you realize that lightning is essential for plant life to exist on Earth? The atmosphere contains nitrogen, but it doesn't easily combine with other gases. If it did, we would all be poisoned by different forms of nitrous gases. However, by a charge of electricity coursing through the atmosphere, nitrogen is transferred from the atmosphere to the soil. Every day, 100,000 bolts of lightning struck the earth. And this process creates usable nitrogen in the soil to nourish plant life. We may not like the lightning storms, but they are a necessary part of life on Earth. So now I'm wondering if Matthew might be trying to teach us something about dealing with difficult times in our life by telling us about a stormy situation he faced on the Sea of Galilee. 
And there's more to this story than a storm-tossed boat with 13 passengers. It seems to me that Matthew tells us the story to teach us at least a couple of very important lessons. And the first one, I think, is this. God allows us to go through storms so that we can find out that he is more powerful than they are. Now, obviously, this incident in the middle of the Sea of Galilee made a big impact on Matthew. He remembered it many years later as he wrote it down for us. But why do we think Matthew considered this story important enough to tell us? In his three years living and traveling with Jesus, there were certainly other incidents he must have left out. And I think the key is the response of the disciples after Jesus calmed the storm. Verse 27. What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. They learned how powerful the words of Jesus were. And I wonder if a smile came over Matthew's face later in his life when he read Psalm 89 verses 8 and 9. It says this, O Lord God Almighty, who is like you? You are mighty, O Lord, and your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule over the surging sea when its waves mount up. You still them. The message of this incident was one that Matthew thought very important for us to understand. You will never face a difficult circumstance in your life that is too tough for Jesus to handle. He may not immediately still the storm in your life, but if he doesn't, it's because he still has some lessons to teach you about hanging on through stormy seas. James 1 verses 2 to 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So evidently, if the storm is still raging, God isn't finished with his work. He's making sure you are mature and complete for the things he wants you to do in the future. Hold on to him and don't even think about letting go. Even though Jesus is more powerful than the storm, on your own, you may not be. And there's nothing wrong with asking God questions as to why the storms are rolling through your life. There's nobody else better to ask. However, as you ask, realize what God is doing in the big picture. He is teaching you to lean on him more. He's helping you to understand that he's more powerful than, than any storm you will face. So don't try to go it alone. And there's a second lesson. And to be quite honest, I'm still learning this one myself. In the midst of the storm, we don't need to be afraid as long as Jesus is at our side. It seems like that's why Jesus chastises the guys in the boat. It's not that they disturbed his sleep, and it's not that they asked him to calm the storm. The key is in his reply. You of little faith, why are you so afraid? The word translated afraid is a strong word in the original Greek. It means cowardly. Cowardly. And Barclay wrote, He does not chide them for disturbing him with their prayers, but for disturbing themselves with their fears. He does not chide them 
for disturbing him with their prayers, but for disturbing themselves with their fears. If you have a personal relationship with Jesus, you don't have to be afraid. Let that sink in for a moment and feel the lesson that Matthew wanted you to understand. It doesn't matter how big the waves or how small your boat is. You don't have to be afraid if Jesus is in the boat with you. Are you caught in a storm of your own right now? Do you find that that shifting emotional winds have you leaning first one way and then another? Have you been decked by flying debris? Have things become so confusing that you don't even know what's right anymore? Are you so weary of it all that you almost don't even care? If so, remember that our Lord's words can bring order out of chaos. And this is one of the first truths the Bible teaches us. In Genesis 1 verse 2, we're told that the earth as God originally created it was empty, a formless mass cloaked in darkness. Formless. Formless means without structure or design. In a word, chaotic. But then God began to speak. Let there be light. And suddenly the formless, chaotic mess began to take shape and get organized. So it's no surprise to see Jesus speaking words that would calm a storm. He was just doing what he's done since the beginning of time, using words to settle things down and bring order out of chaos has always been his speciality. So maybe it's time you rediscovered this truth. If your cup is running low on faith, you probably don't give as much attention to his words as you once did. Perhaps you can't even remember the last time you picked up your Bible, headed to a quiet spot and started reading in earnest. But if there's a storm raging in your life, you desperately need to reconnect with the scriptures. 2 Timothy 3 verse 16 says that our Lord's word straightens us out. And isn't that exactly what we need when our lives become hopelessly tangled and chaotic? The calm we crave is as close as our Bible. Somewhere within that book are the perfect words for our situations. Words that may not change the situation we're in, but will calm the storm in our hearts. Granted, you may have to work hard to find them. The Bible is a big book that addresses a lot of subjects. But with the help of a godly friend and a good reference book or two, you should have no problem. But right now, before the storm batters you another day, I urge you to cast your lot with the psalmist who said, in Psalm 130 verse 5, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. His word calms storms. So if your faith needs a refill, don't you even care might be the question you've been asking. If so, you'll find your answer in the same place the disciples found theirs, in Jesus' words. When he said, quiet down, he was commanding the storm, but even more so, he was sending a message to his disciples. He was saying to them, I do care. And this is one of the most important things you can understand about Jesus' words. It doesn't matter who or what he's speaking to in Scripture. He's always speaking to you and I. Every sentence has significance, and woven throughout his words and phrases are the answers to all of life's important questions. If a passage doesn't seem relevant, 
It's only because it doesn't meet your needs at this particular moment. And the probability is that someday it probably will. The disciples learned something important about Jesus when he calmed the wind and the waves. From that day forward, I'm sure the disciples were a little bit more attentive when he spoke. I imagine they were a little bit quicker to obey when he made a request. A little slower to complain when he said something they didn't like. And if your faith reserves have been depleted, maybe you need a kind of jolt the disciples got that day on the Sea of Galilee. Maybe you need to be reminded of the awesomeness of the power of our Lord's words. Maybe you need to think about the mind-boggling implications of those words. So let me challenge you to get back into the word, to rediscover what our Lord can do, and to let that knowledge frighten you and set you free. The prophet Isaiah said, Do not fear anything except the Lord Almighty. He alone is the Holy One. If you fear Him, you need fear nothing else. In Isaiah 8.13. So have you been running low in your faith? Maybe it's because you've been listening to the wrong people. You've been allowing the wrong words to dictate your life. With radio, television, social media, with the record amount of magazines published each week, with thousands of publishers spitting out self-help books, offering them to us at discount prices. We live under a Niagara Falls-like torrent of gobbledygook. But how many of those words are truly worthy of our time and attention? How many are going to impact our lives in any meaningful way? Not that many, I'm afraid. But one thing is sure. Our Lord's words are packed with power and given the chance will make a dramatic difference in our lives. In case we've forgotten what our Lord's words are capable of, in case you've forgotten what our Lord's words are capable of, just turn back to the story in Matthew chapter 8. With just a few words, he quietened a chaotic storm. Just imagine what he can do with his words in your life. So allow the words of Jesus to rebuild your faith, to renew your hope, and to refill your life. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that your words speak life, speak hope, bring joy, bring love, bring promise into our lives. Father, thank you for the Bible, for the wisdom it holds and provides to each one of us. And Father, may we know that in those moments when the storm rages, when the winds and the waves threaten to overwhelm, that all we have to do is turn to you because your words calm the chaos, bring order out of chaos, 
your words rebuild our faith. Remind us to who we belong. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing of your words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.